morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. And welcome to the WTF1 Podcast 2023 Season Review with myself, Harry Benjamin and Khalid O'Keefe. Aston Martin and Fernando Alonso are going to win the championship to hang on a minute. Could Sergio Perez actually fight with Verstappen to then the crushing realisation that, oh no, this is Max Verstappen's championship in the back by round five. Uh, But a few surprises a long way. Uh, McLaren's turn of form. Carlos Sainz being the only driver to put a Ferrari on the top step. And Alpha Tauri's whirlwind of drivers. All that and more to dive into across the next 40 minutes or so. But we thought we would go from the bottom up and start last with Haas, who finished at the bottom of the Constructors' Championship as we take a look back at everything uh, and all the highlights and the lowlights from this season. Only the second time in Haas's history that they finished plum last. And I think they have a record now, Callan. They scored 12 points and no team ever has scored that many points and still finished last. So kind of highlights how competitive actually it was the lower pack. Yeah, I think we've said this the whole year, haven't we? There's been one one man out the front the entire year who's dominated, but behind that, it's actually been remarkably close. And it's very, very easy to look at it, isn't it? And say, oh, well, it's, it's been a boring season. And then actually, I will we say before we came on air, you look back through, there's been some crazy, crazy moments this year. And yeah, I, I think that's, that statistic kind of summarizes it, doesn't it, really? It's, it's been a close year that the teams at the back have really had to capitalize on the moments when they've had the opportunity to score points. But yeah, unfortunately for Haas, they were, um, well, probably the the worst of, of that. So they'll be looking for a better season next year or for an 11th team to come in and hopefully stop them from being last. <laughs> Four points finishes in total for Haas. Three from Kevin Magnussen and only one from Nico Hülkenberg. But Hülkenberg got seventh in that crazy Australian Grand Prix, restarted with about, you know, a few laps to go. Um, And of course, it was a return for Nico Hülkenberg, who got into Q3 loads of times, way more than K-Mag. And I'm a a K-Mag fan and I'm a Hülkenberg fan, but I think Hülkenberg kind of put the shade over, over Magnussen this year. It was a good return. Yeah, I think so. Like, you know, we saw it with Daniel Ricciardo. It's never easy coming back to Formula One after you have some time out. And I, I think he did a good job. He did a solid job. He kind of, but, you know, Hulkenberg's one of those drivers who, if you look at the class that he had in the junior formula, he was, you know, he was basically untouchable. It still staggers me that he never got a podium in Formula One. Obviously, he had that pole position in Brazil in 2010, I think it was, with uh, mm. with Williams. The, the guy's a quick driver, you know, he's, he's, and I think they do actually have a solid lineup. I don't, I don't think necessarily the, the kind of year that they've had has been reflected by the talent of people that they've actually got, if that makes sense. So, you know, I think they've, they've got something now, they've got two experienced drivers they'll be looking to build and hopefully continually keep that going and, and push for a stronger season next year. Yeah, well, they both continue through into 2024. It's very much a dad team, isn't it? I, I, I was reading a, a like, um, I think it was actually a LinkedIn article because <laughs> I'm cool like that. And um, somebody was saying how Haas is actually one of the more relatable teams for a lot of, um, especially Americans, but also just a lot of uh, maybe slightly older uh, sort of middle-aged people, especially dads, because they're kind of the most relatable drivers like Hulkenberg and Magnussen. They, they both had, had 
like uh, moments in the sport, out of the sport. They've come back. They've had families. They're juggling being a dad. There was that super cute moment with in Abu Dhabi with Kevin Magnuson and his daughter helping him put his gloves on and his visor and everything like that. So it's quite a relatable like lineup when you think of it like that. Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, Gunter Steiner, what a figure he's become um, in the Formula One paddock, thanks to Drive to Survive and, and his charisma. Um, and mainly Roman Grosjean as well. I mean, he's he, we can't forget Roman's part in in the rise of Gunter Steiner and the the character that he's become. So, I, you know, like I said, I think they've they're the actual level that they have. They've they've had a really up and down history in Formula One. I mean, when you think back to their debut in Australia when they came in, yeah, you know, point scoring on debut, everyone was like, "Whoa, who's this?" And it has been a massive up and down. You know, we had Magnussen on pole in Brazil as well a few years ago. And it was it was just, yeah, it's it's just, I, I just want the team. I want it to click for them. I really want it to click for them. I think they've got good people. I think they've got good drivers. And I, I love the idea of, of an American team being at the front. So let's see. It'll come eventually, hopefully. Let's hope they can bring a good car for next year and crucially get their development on track as well because that's historically always the thing they have struggled with. Um, Alfa Romeo are next. They finished ninth in the Constructors and it's a farewell to Alfa Romeo who sound like they're going to try and explore opportunities in the World Endurance Championship. We'll have Sauber return for a couple of years before Audi come in. Um, and Joe Guanyu and Valtteri Bottas, another season together. Valtteri ended up 15th in the championship standings with a best result of 8th twice, while Joe Guanyu uh, ended up 18th in the championship with uh, all three of his point scoring finishes being ninth places. And I don't know, Alfa Romeo just seemed... A- they're one of those anonymous teams at the moment don't you think they just don't i mean they've got good they've actually got probably two of the most characterful drivers like bottas has seemed to have come into his own joe guanyu's got this whole fashion thing going for him now rivaling um lewis hamilton but the car's been this year pretty shocking and even though they've had some amazing highlights like the thing that stands out is um qualifying in hungary Joe Guanyu and, and Valtteri Bottas both getting into the top 10, but then it all came undone in the race on lap one before the, before the lights even came out. And also Qatar with a great call by um, uh, their chief strategist, Ruth Buscombe, who's since now departed the team, actually. Don't know where she's moving yet, but they had a great strategy call to get both cars in the points and score the bulk of their points um, in the latter half of the year in Qatar. So some highlights, but mainly lowlights for Alfa Romeo. Yeah, it's kind of is it is it fair to say that with the pedigree of motorsport they have, you kind of expect a bit more. Mm. I mean, is is that an unfair bias? I mean, it's it's so easy to say, isn't it? But you know, you've you've got the guy who was alongside Lewis Hamilton in one of the most dominant cars in Formula One, or one of the most dominant eras in Formula One. You you kind of expect a little bit more. You know, Bottas is is probably the most consistent driver in Formula One. If you look at, for example, his his appearances in Q3 over the time he was at Mercedes, for him to be struggling the way that he was struggling, it kind of really highlights just how bad the car is, doesn't it? And it's like you say, it's it's it was it was flashes, but it was one or two flashes over the course of the whole year. And the rest of the year they were either pretty anonymous. I mean the amount of times you'd have to actively go out of your way to find where the drivers were to just check up on them to see really what's going on. So, yeah, I, I think, as you said, uh, a really good strategic call in Qatar probably saved them this year and, and arguably hurt Haas more. Um, 
but I, I don't, you know, Alfa Romeo pulling out, obviously going back to Sauber. I don't, I don't really see what's sort of next for the team in the short interim. Obviously, they've got their longer term plans, hopefully a bit more set, but it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they bounce back from this for next year. Yeah, they're going for a new concept of car for next year, they've said, because um, they've gotten to the end of the development program with this current car. It obviously hasn't worked out. It's been the wrong call for them. But I'm curious to know, you know, it's going to be quite a crucial couple of seasons for Bottas and, and Joe as drivers because they're both going to be well aware that Audi's coming in and they're both going to kind of want to be a part of that, right? But do Audi look at that lineup and go, well, yeah, that's a good lineup? Or do they go, actually, we'd rather bring in our own people our own drivers a german perhaps well i think that's the biggest risk isn't it when you're anonymous you you never want to be the driver that's having the difficult times like let's say a logan sergeant who's Mm -hmm. constantly being spoken about for crashing but at least you're being spoken about at least there's some attention on you you know and and then when you correct it the attention's there to be able to say well look we started here we finished here look at how much improvement we made but when you're when you're anonymous in motorsport that's never a good thing because it, it, you know, if you have a great race or you do something fantastic or it kind of, it's very likely that it'll slip under the radar. So I think they're going to need more standout performances next year as, as a driver pairing to be able to just, you know, kind of bring the attention back onto them mm-hmm. and just say, look, we're still here. We're still capable of developing. We're capable of developing a car. That's going to be huge in the long-term future because as you said, you know, kind of run to the end of a, a development cycle of a car, you realize not working, you go to the next concept and, Especially with with Audi coming in, they're going to want they're going to be one they're going to want to be at the front straight away, aren't they? So you're going to have to be able not only to prove that you're fast, but also that you can develop a car. That's going to be a, a huge showing for those two if they want to keep that seat moving forward. Yeah, I agree. I think if we're doing a, a school report card, um, Haas get uh, enthusiastic but must improve. Yeah, and Alfa Romeo, I think it must improve and uh, find their voice more, be more confident. I- and you should consider teaching, I think, Harry. That's and lovely. That's because yeah. I definitely had that comment on my report yeah. card when I was a kid as well. Uh, and didn't you just find your voice? Look at I you now. I found my voice. Here I am. Um, right, up next, Alpha Tauri. Let's go to them in a pretty much for the for the first half of the year, the slowest car oh. on the grid. They were plumb last for the entire first half of the season. Of course, we started the year with Nick DeVries and Yuki Tsunoda, then bye-bye Nick, hello Daniel Ricciardo, then goodbye Daniel Ricciardo, hello Liam Lawson, then goodbye Liam Lawson, hello again Daniel Ricciardo, and the car suddenly getting better and better, especially in that final uh, few races at the end of the season. They managed to leapfrog Hassan Alfa Romeo to get up to eight, almost caught Williams, just a few points split them in the end, and after i think they had the better car at the end of the year so it's looking ominous for them for next season but avatar is an intriguing one isn't it because i i, I actually don't know what, what to say about avatar i think sonoda ended the year strong ricardo we haven't seen him back to full form i think and i still think they they chucked nick devries away too soon but also liam lawson came into the fold and actually impressed a lot in only a few races so I don't know. How would you how would you look back at AlphaTauri season? I would say, and this is maybe a controversial opinion, I would say mm-hmm. Liam Lawson was the saviour of their season. Really? Because, well, I, I think it's very, very easy when you're in a position where you have one driver completely dominating inside the like inter-team dynamic. You had Sonoda just absolutely crushing DeFreeze. DeFreeze really struggling to find his feet. That 
that affects everything. It affects the car's development. It affects the team's morale. It affects also the way the driver who's dominating pushes themselves because you're always compared to your teammate first and foremost. We know, you know, the, the Red Bull Junior program is, is massively cutthroat, which is effectively what they are in that team. And if you're destroying the guy who they've brought in to try and challenge you, then you, you're not going to find those last few tenths, are you? You're going to keep it safe. You're going to, of course, push. But I think there's always that little bit where you lose 1%. Cue Liam Lawson. Well, first of all, Daniel Ricciardo, that was the first kind of point. But then obviously, Sonoda kind of had the measure on Ricciardo because he was still a bit rusty. Cue Liam Lawson coming in the way he did. Absolutely, you know, and had the most difficult situation possible. I can't stress that enough. To jump in halfway through a race weekend at Zandvoort. That is one of the most difficult tracks there is for a driver to master. It was wet. And what a crazy race it was. And he did a really solid job. He then went on to just deliver solid performances moving forward, great speed. I think that was probably the wake-up call that Sonoda needed. Mm. And also for Ricardo as well, you know, it's it's very easy to, as a driver, it's very easy, even if you're a Formula 1 driver, you're the best drivers in the world, to become fixated that your limit is is at 99.5%. And then someone comes in and gets close to you and you go, oh, I need to find that last little bit. And all of a sudden you find the last 0.5 you're looking for. So I think, you know, a big... I, going back to the DeFries thing, I think DeFries probably wasn't given the the time that he needed, but he yeah he wasn't up to the level that he needed to be at, and it hurt the team. And yeah, Liam Lawson's strong performances I think were the the main reason for that a driver, but also car uh, improvement towards mm. the uh, the second half of the last part of the season. Yeah, and actually Liam Lawson with that uh, two points he scored in uh, Singapore finished ahead of Logan Sargent in the uh, driver's uh, standings. And Sargent, of course, full season driver. Lawson, how many did you do in the end? One, two, three. He did five races in yeah. the end, uh, did Lawson. So uh, good effort for Liam Lawson. I think a lot of people upset and surprised he's not in the car next year. That will be Sonoda and Ricardo, which I think will come good. I mean, I am, again, I am a Yuki Sonoda fan. I was very pleased with how he ended the season. I think he's rapidly quick. I think he's underrated, but he needs to cut out these sort of mistakes where his emotions get the better of him. Um, I wonder how he'll deal with the departure of Franz Tost, who, who it sounds like was quite a key, you know, instigator in his life he moved Yuki Tsunoda to, to Faenza to be nearer to, to the factory and and uh, to be more in line and get focus on his training and I mean Tsunoda had a great run in Abu Dhabi and uh, really kind of outperformed Daniel Ricciardo I think it's fair to say but I was talking to to Nicola Hume who the host of the Red Bull Racing F1 podcast who was supposed to be joining us today but she bailed unbelievable but hey, she... hey it's 2023 it's very difficult to find good wi-fi i've, yeah. used, I've used that excuse at least once or twice this I year know, so we'll you, let her off we'll i let her off. believe it uh anyway uh she has wi-fi troubles Nicola. but <laughs> she was hosting this like data thing uh last week uh, with um rob smedley the former engineer for felipe massa right at ferrari and then he went on to williams um and they were looking at all the data and because upgrades were brought by alpha Tauri to that car both cars at the end of the season the most upgraded car in the world and in, in the in the entire field they highlighted that Sonoda was performing as was expected that was the expected performance level of the car where with the upgrades and Sonoda achieved that it was a tick box so that was quite like you know a good sign Sonoda was performing at the expected level because i think next year is going to be a real crucial year for him because there's so much chatter about him what well, there's not a lot of chatter about him replacing Perez or going up to no, Red Bull. No. It's all on Ricardo's side of the garage. So you think, oh, well, actually, this could be a benefit for Sonoda. Head down, be a bit of a dark horse. Yeah, 100%. You know, and, and you only have to look at how quickly he was rushed through 
the mm. junior formula to get to Formula One because it was it was the thing, wasn't it? Honda really wanted a Japanese driver in that seat. So you look at actually how little experience he has comparative. Okay, you know, you take people like Max Verstappen out, out of the way who did one season in F3, but compared to your traditional driver that gets to Formula One, he was actually rushed relatively quickly. And, you know, we've as you said, we've seen a couple of, let's call it like immature errors, but he's actually growing into a good driver after a difficult first season in Formula One. He took on board the criticism, as you said, France Toss, a huge kind of restructure in his life that came from from him and I, I think so is doing a good job, you know, and I, I think it shows when you're up against drivers like Lawson. I think Lawson is hugely quick. Ricardo is a proven multiple Formula One race winner and he's he's holding his own against him. So and actually outperforming him. So yeah, he's doing doing everything he needs and all of us at Team Yuki are hoping for that continued progression. What's the report card for AlphaTauri saying? Um keep going, keep going as you finished. Fair. Fair. I think um, good, uh, uh, tough start to the year. Good improvement. Keep that going. Keep yeah, that going. Keep that going. Keep the momentum just up. Just keep um, swimming. Just keep swimming. So to finish 14th. Ricardo finished 17th. Lost in 20th. De Vries 22nd. So AlphaTauri will transform next year into another name. We don't know what that is yet. Racing Bulls is what's being touted, but we shall see what comes for that one. Next up, to seal off the bottom five. Uh, oh, actually, no, technically not the bottom five. No, that's only four, isn't it? One, two, th- yeah, four. Williams. God, I can't believe Alpine are included in the bottom five, aren't they? Yeah, really? We'll get to, we'll uh, get to we'll that. Get to them, yeah. We'll get to them, yeah. Let's go to Williams next. They're best finish in the constructors for a long time they finished seventh they clung on to the end but it was alex album that did all the legwork yeah no that was if, if you had to do the uh the report card for them it would be um one shining star really <laughs> I, in, all, in all fairness to logan and this is you know we we said the same thing about defreeze and everything we got to give these drivers time logan yeah. did get stronger towards the end of the season and you know, obviously, they they took their consideration with whether or not they were going to keep him. Williams have seen what they need to be satisfied that he is the right guy to fill that seat for a second season. And hopefully, he continues the progression that he showed at the end of the year. But I I think where Williams ended up was more of a reflection of the job that Alex Alvin's done this year, to be honest with you. And what an amazing job he's done building that team around him, pushing the car forward. Some amazing standout performances, some amazing pace as well, especially in qualifying and yeah, not not something that I thought, honestly, they for me were probably, with the exception of McLaren after race one, they were the biggest surprise of where they actually finished up, I'd say. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Um, I think uh, Sargent getting another year, to be honest, uh, who else were they going to pick? I think it will be a crucial year for Sargent, while Williams also monitor the likes of Vesti, whatever he does next year, or uh, even Kimi Antonelli coming into Formula 2, you know. Lot he's going to replace Lewis Hamilton. We all ah, know that. <laughs> Straight into the Mercedes seat alongside George Russell. There's a lot of, a lot of uh, talk around that guy. So we'll see. So yeah, uh, the continuation will be good. I think what a renaissance though for, for Alex Albon, who's really rebuilt his career. In fact, him and Gasly both managed to recover quite nicely from their Red Bull stints really. And, and, uh, do you think a lot of Williams's success this year also has to go to James Vowles? hundred percent. It's, it's, you know, we, we actually were talking, I can't remember which podcast it was. And I saw a video of James giving this like, um, motivational, motivational, speech. just holding his mug of tea. And I was yeah. like, it just feels so wholesome. He just feels, <laughs> and, and what I really like about him is you can clearly see that he has the expertise 
to run a team. He has the desire, he has success, but he understands the people. That's the, the when, whenever you hear him talk, the way that he delivers the stuff, you can see that he understands the heritage of Williams Racing, which I think is really, really important in a team like that. So he's understood the environment, but he also understands the people. And it's, it's very rare. Everyone I've spoken to, I've never really heard anyone say a bad thing about him. And that's kind of rare in motorsport. Um, we, you know, we all know what a, a kind of shark tank it is. So to have that reputation actually shows kind of what a, what a great guy is and, and how he goes about his business with a team. And it, you know, you'd be crazy if you don't attribute a lot of the success and the growth to him as well. Mm. And I mean, we all want to see, I think we all want to see Williams kind of back up the front. I mean, everyone has these memories of the glory days, you know, Nigel Mansell, Red Five and all that kind of stuff. But actually, even look to Felipe Massa and Valtteri Bottas' yeah. Williams' stint and go, well, even just to get there when they were on the podium or constantly top eight, you know, how, what a br- when they had that awesome martini livery. Like, that was what, so cool. You know, how Pole position at the Red Bull ring. Yeah, and everyone I, was waiting for party mode to come in and it was like, no, they actually ended up taking it. It was madness. Yeah, it was just fantastic. And, and to have, you know, the, the real remaining kind of independent maybe i mean sauber but they've got they've got audi and Haas that take a lot from ferrari so you know to to be named you know and but after frank williams and, and that and that heritage that team has i think a lot of people want, want them back up there so let's hope because it's going to be hard next year because alpha tauri were right there they were better than williams at the end so they've got to make a good step next year so i think report card for williams is um good year don't get complacent. Exactly. And and Logan, please do better. <laughs> and Logan, do better. Logan must do better. Um, it's a team game, Logan. Exactly. It's t- You're so good at this. I feel, like, I feel like I'd be the really harsh teacher that none of the kids like. But I tell you what, though, I think on more, of, more often than not, I think just to finish off the Williams shot, I think Albon outperformed the car. And I think Sargent was probably maybe sometimes where the level of the car at, like, was. There's a really good podcast actually that Alex Alban recently did where he kind of, he goes into detail about mm. everything. I think he's with, with um, Jake Humphrey. Jake Humphrey, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I listened to it actually a week ago or so and I sent it to all the drivers we work with and I said, you need to listen to this because it's probably the most honest representation of an athlete that I've heard in a very, very long time where he talks about the struggle, he talks about you know, just understanding himself. And I, I think back to when we used to race as kids together, I, you know, I was lucky enough to race in that generation where Alex was there and he was hugely successful in go-karting. He went into cars and as he said in the podcast, he really struggled. And it's amazing to see kind of how far he's come in terms of like self-awareness, understanding himself, not only personally, but professionally and talks about how, you know, he started giving up um, less of his time for the other stuff and focusing on giving himself more time to focus on performance and not people pleasing the team. And and I find that really interesting because it's not really something that gets spoken about, but it shows why he's performing the way he's performing. It's it's not just luck or gelling with the car or anything. It's years of hard work and it's, it's just really nice to see him doing a good job and hopefully he's going to keep going from strength to strength. I assume you also send them the WTF1 podcast every week as well to all your drivers, being like, this is a great yeah, list. There's of a course. driver on this podcast well, that's so inspirational. They listen to me anyway, moaning at them. So I don't think they need to keep <laughs> listening to me anyway. Oh, I hope I hope Williams rise up in performance and Albon sticks with them. 
I want 100%. him to get to back. I want Albon and Williams to get to the top together. I think that's a match made in heaven. And then he goes back to Red Bull and beats Max Verstappen. He's the guy who topples the Can domination. Can you imagine? Oh. That would be a story. What a story. And then we'll finally, we should probably get a Thai Grand Prix, shouldn't we, to celebrate. Oh, there's should, a really uh, cool street it. circuit that they race GT3 cars every year. We There's a Thai driver we look after called yeah. Tisanapo who's telling me about this. Him and his dad have raced it before. And Ooh. that is, it's like Macau, but on steroids it's yeah. ridiculous and if we could have formula one cars there that'd be mega that would be cool smaller f1 cars though putting it um, out there. putting it okay out there. let's end the bottom five chat with alpine <laughs> oh i mean we talk about anonymous for alfa romeo i mean alpine uh, look both drivers got a podium both drivers fairly even when it comes to competitive edge i think qualifying and race results the head-to-heads were i think they both uh, did go in in uh, oh, i can't remember the top of my head i think they both went gasly's way but only just and yeah uh ocon was on i think ocon had the most retirements of anybody in the entire season so bad luck on ocon's side they could have had some more points in the bag. Australia, of course, in that crazy end, both Alpines getting involved and taking each other out. But for a, for a team that came into this year, we're going to challenge the top four, three, finally, in our 100 race plan. Otmar Zafnauer at the, at the helm. Well, bye-bye, Otmar Zafnauer. And actually, Alpine have, have fallen down in competitive order sixth with Gasly and Ocon finishing 11th and 12th in in the all French lineup it's uh it's a not good enough actually for, for, well, the, res- that's, for that's, the resource that they have it's a not good enough that's not a very positive report card you just put on there and that's I gonna know. that's I'm gonna sorry. cause some frowny faces I, I'm sorry I agree 100% I just it's it's not a team that we should be talking about in the bottom half. It just really isn't, as you say, for the level of resource. Also for the drivers they have. I mean... It's a, it's a stellar lineup. It's, race, both race winners, both young podium finishers. But also it's experienced as well. Really experienced. They've they've been through the highs and lows of Formula One and they've survived. Therefore, they deserve a, a, you know, a, a proper cemented um, establishment as a driver, for lack of a better way of putting it. You know, they're... It's not like they have young rookies or they've brought people out of retirement or whatever it is. It's they're, they're good drivers, and yeah, it, it was just a year of a year of chaos is the way I would sum it up. Every time they looked half decent, the next race they looked terrible, and then they looked terrible for more races. Then they looked good. You had the the managerial shift, which no one really expected out of the blue. Yeah, and it, it, yeah, just it. They need stability. That would be my advice to Alpine. Not that they would hire me for advice, but they just need a bit of stability. You know, maybe less focus on winning, more focus on just getting yourself back to the front and taking it from there. Some good standouts at the end of the year. You know, um, Gasly had a mega qualifying in Vegas. Didn't work out from the race, but it did work out for Ocon, who had an amazing fourth place finish in Vegas, which really boosted his points. So there's flashes there. Absolutely. When the car is there, the drivers will get the most out of it they can. Um, they do have this power unit issue, of yeah. course, where they are down on power compared to the to the others. So it almost feels like they're, they're in a bit of survival mode until the new power unit regulations because they were trying to get this engine equalization thing pushed before 2026 but i don't think that's going to happen so really their their full focus now is going to be we've got to maximize our power unit until 2026 when we can rip the old one out and stick a new one in and 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 have some extra power 
and be faster. Yeah, and, and Formula One cars that generate so much drag now because they've got so much downforce. If you're not cutting through the air effectively in a straight line, that's half the battle. And then you have to compensate by taking downforce off the car to make yourself faster in a straight line. But then that means that you're slow in the corners as well. So you never really win. And once, you're, uh, once your engine's not strong enough, you're, you're in a pretty compromising situation. So, um, yeah, I don't really know in the short term how they fix this, to be honest with you. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I don't know. I feel like my report card earlier was, was harsh, but there's flashes of pace, but. Stay savage. Must, Stay must savage. Stay savage, Harry. I like it when you're <laughs> savage. Stay savage. <laughs> Let's move into the top half of the field now. And Aston Martin finished fifth in the Constructors. What a start to the year. What a, a, a leapfrog in performance. And Stroll as well, coming back from uh, injury in pre-season, which meant he missed all of the pre-season testing. There was even a chance he might not take part in the first couple of races, but he did. And he had a good performance based off of that while Alonso was clocking up the podiums. And then it all went south. And the development race was what really ended up being Aston Martin's Achilles heel even with Alonso in the car who can get the maximum out of anything he's given in, in at times in the middle stint of the year, it looked a bit dire. They just about started to show an improvement towards the end of the season, but that'll be a bit of a worrying alarm for them going into next year. Right. I think it was at the start of the year, the first few races, we were talking about the fact that Fernando Alonso was going to be the one who finally challenged finally. the Red Bulls. He's, finally. Made a good, he's made a good career move. He's coming last. back. Number 33 is coming. Taylor Swift's pretty like we're, we're trying to link together Taylor Swift stuff to publicize the fact that number 33, when number 33 is on the way. And then what happens? We just get disappointed once again, like always. And I just, I just, I'm just staggered. Uh, he said it as well. But again, it's that fine margins, isn't it? A Formula One. It staggers me how competitive they were at the start of the year compared to where they were at the end. And, and the general consensus as well, we've kept improving. We just haven't really improved as much as the others have improved. And, you know, mm. you only have to look at like McLaren, for example, to see what a big step they took. But when, when a team's got that momentum and they've got that driver behind them and they, they've got the car in the window, it just blows my mind that you can't get those last few tens. And I know how complicated Formula One is and it, it makes complete sense in, you know, when you dissect it. But in theory, when you're that close, you just, you know, I was I was more hopeful. I really yeah. wanted to see Alonso win. I really wanted to see Alonso back on the top step of the podium consistently. We all did. We all, we all did. did. We all did. And it may, it may still happen. You never know. We'll get back to the show in a second. But first of all, I want to tell you about NordVPN. Now, you've probably heard lots about VPNs or virtual private networks, but here's why you should be using NordVPN. First of all, it's officially the fastest VPN on the planet. You'll enjoy blazing speeds and unlimited bandwidth so you can browse, stream, and download worry-free. And by using NordVPN, you'll become safer online with a single click. You'll enjoy threat protection that shields you from malware, trackers and ads, and your privacy will be ensured. And of course, you'll be able to make sure you can access your favorite content wherever you are, because even when you're traveling, you'll be able to stay at home virtually. So what are you waiting for, guys? Start using the fastest VPN on the planet. Go to nordvpn.com slash WTF1podcast. That's nordvpn.com slash WTF1podcast. What about Stroll, though? Because at, at, the, at the point where I think we were, where it was around maybe, was it Monza, perhaps? 
it, I mean, all season long, it hadn't been looking brilliant for Stroll in comparison to Fernando Alonso. He was being crushed by him. But really, from from actually probably more like Zandvoort onwards, the second half of the year, up until Brazil, there was a lot of questions around Lance Stroll. And we all know why he's got that seat and why he's still there. Any other driver would have been sacked by now if they had had the performance levels of Lance Stroll, in my opinion. But then he suddenly shows great glimmers of performance yeah, and but, he delivered at the end of the year kind of we're not talking about stroll like he's a rookie we, we, we are talking about everyone, like he's a rookie but he's not a rookie he's like nearly nearly a decade in yeah, like in formula one he's had a pole position i mean it was a crazy qualifying in turkey but he's yeah he's a pole position center in formula one so we, we're not talking about a driver who's in their second or third season we're talking about a driver who's had the entire infrastructure built around them and I think in the the kind of you know our job is is to be impartial. Obviously, you know we we have bias, but we have opinions, and that's mainly what it is. My my opinion, but also in staying kind of you know impartial to it, is if it was any other driver, the way we've spoken about Defries or the way we've spoken about Sargent, with drivers with less experience, we're saying, oh, do do they really belong there? And, and I still believe that about Lance. You know, you've you've had all this opportunity, you've had the time. If you stick Fernando Alonso and Fernando is a driver to a super high caliber, you know, he's he's a multiple Formula One world champion, but with a level of experience and resource and infrastructure that's put him to stroll, he should at least be challenging him and challenging mm. him frequently. And if you're not doing that, then you really have to ask the question, well, are you the right person for that seat? Because we've seen it time and time again, up and down the grid, when a team has two strong drivers who are pushing each other to the maximum of their capabilities, that's the sweet spot for a team to develop and push themselves forward. Yeah, I, I, I think he's been a bit disappointing, as you said. You know, rookie areas like in Singapore, where he had the giant crash and then couldn't take part in qualifying. It, it's those those are things that shouldn't be happening this late on in his career. And you know, you only have to look at, for example, when Drogovic got in the car and free practice one at Abu Dhabi. He was quick. He was quick. There's there's talent there. There really is talent that deserves an opportunity. And yeah, I, I think we're so limited on seats. Obviously, it's not going to happen, but at some point, there needs to be a call to say, well, maybe you put another driver in for the first half of the year, see how they're performing. If they're not performing, you can always have the option to put Lance back, but I I think someone else needs a chance in that seat. Obviously, it's not going to happen because of Mm. who runs Aston Martin, Um, but it's a nice idea on paper, isn't it? At least we can voice our opinions on this this lovely podcast. Well, there's a very nice uh, hypercar uh team with Aston Martin developing in the yeah, World Endurance Championship. So perhaps Lance would like to have a little go at Le Mans. Who knows? And, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying as well, I'm not saying Lance is a terrible driver. I think it's important no. to mention that I, you know, I respect the calibre of what he's done, but I think he's had his chance in Formula One. It hasn't clicked. It's not gelling. Go win Le Mans. Go and try and win Le Mans and, and make your claim and, and leave your legacy in motorsport in a different category, different discipline. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, so report cards is um, quick, but but must improve effort. Yes, yes, I agree with that. But keep up there's, the effort. There's, there's a lot of these 
you did Austin a good Crew. job to start, but please, <laughs> <laughs> for, you know, like Formula One is, is teams are investing hundreds of millions yeah. of pounds for two people on a podcast. You know, you know, you're doing a good job, but just do a little bit better. Just and try we, a bit harder. And all the teams do listen. So we they know do. they'll be, so they'll be writing good. notes as I'm you should. super excited to hear the, the feedback on this one. <laughs> yeah, please. Uh, if you are thinking of hiring any hosts, uh, we are available. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Christian Horn is going to come for you. And so is yeah. Total Wolf. They're finally going to unite on coming for us on yeah. the podcast <laughs> uh let, right let's move up to number four mclaren who finished fourth in the constructors um and complete opposite to aston martin when it came to the development race started off poorly started off on the back foot but once they had those upgrades from austria onwards it was a complete turnaround piastri rookie of the year 100%. um 100%. best rookie season since uh lewis hamilton probably in terms of a rookie um, a, a great driver lineup, a great, there's a lot of good momentum behind that team. And I think, I think Andreas Stella, the team principal goes underrated this year for what he's done. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, if, if someone would have said to me that McLaren would have ended up where they did after the first race of the year, I would have laughed at them. Oh, yeah. yep. Dude, were you watching the same race I was watching? <laughs> Turns out we're all made to eat our words, weren't we? And Absolutely. Yeah. What a... <laughs> Piastri just grew and grew and grew, didn't he? And, you know, it's no secret that I'm a, you know, I, I think he's one of the best drivers on the grid. Obviously, rookie of the season, but I think certainly in the top five performances as a whole across the grid, maybe even like knocking on the door of the top three of best performing drivers this year. And, you know, again, Norris, I kind of feel like the performance that Piastri had this year is kind of what I expect a bit more from Stroll with Alonso because you kind of have your Lando Norris Fernando Alonso comparison of a driver that's cemented in a team cemented in terms of their reputation for Piastri to do what he was doing closing the gap to Norris beating Norris occasionally let's not forget he actually is a race winner in the non-traditional format but he won a race before Lando Norris did and he did so in in really commanding fashion didn't he so yeah I mean what a turnaround if they can keep going in this trajectory and keep building with those two as a pairing, then I think the future is very, very bright for McLaren. What's the report card? Um, the surprise of the season. I think that's that's the way I just... Keep up the good work. We can't keep saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get complacent. Don't get complacent. Just, just keep trying as hard as you are. You don't have to try any harder. Just keep trying as hard as you are. I, actually, I'll tell you what. If we're going individual report cards, Lando, cut out the mistakes in qualifying. Yeah, you tell him. Yeah. You tell him. Because, mate, I'm not making those mistakes, so you shouldn't <laughs> be making those mistakes. Come on. Come on now. God, honestly, rookie behavior sometimes. Uh, uh, it's fine. He'll it, develop into his role in forward. Yeah, he will. He will. Uh, but he's got to be careful because, you know, Piastri has technically won a race before him. He has. And he's equally as fast and sometimes quicker. And obviously, Lando didn't respond towards the second half of the season, especially at yeah. the end. But... I see this. Piastri is, has uh, Piastri needs to get his head around tire degradation and and long runs on the tires, and then I think he's there. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, this is this is the hardest thing, right? It, understanding the tire is everything in every motorsport in every category you ever drive. The thing that connects you to the ground is the tires. If you understand the tires, everything's everything's easy from that point onwards. If you understand how they behave, and I know it sounds really simple to say it, but you just go, well, it's a tire, but. Tires change depending on how many times you lock up, how many times your wheel spin, how you warm them up. I know they've got tire warmers in Formula One, but you still have to keep the tire in the operating window. And especially these Pirellis in Formula One, they have a memory. Every time you slide, every time you lock up, every time you wheel spin, every time you correct, the tire has a memory and it remembers it and punishes you. And the, 
it's a very thermally sensitive tire. So the more you do it, the more you keep doing it, the more it makes the problem worse and it spirals. So it's very difficult to say to a driver, well, just, just drive slower. Mm-hmm. Watching other drivers pull away because they're doing a better job managing it. And if we're talking already at the end of Piastri's rookie season saying, well, he, he just needs to get into the little details of understanding how he manages tires, that shows you what a great job he's already done because we're focusing on the, the small little tiny things that are going to make the difference moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, well done to McLaren for a good season in the end. Uh, let's see what comes of them for next year. Um, let's move up into the top three, shall we? And just missing out on the runners-up spot in the end was Scuderia Ferrari. And the only team to win a race outside of Red Bull, I would say. That was the high point. I would say the low point probably either the very last race from Carlos Sainz's side of the garage or indeed the very first race when the engine went kaput in Leclerc's car. But a, a better a better season than... I, oh, I don't know where I'm going with this. Ferrari's just like, you know, you, you have something there. You've got it. And Fred Vasseur, I think, has been a good addition. Yeah, I, I'm going to go for that, I think, in the second half of the year. And actually, next year is when we're really going to see what he's got and how he changes that team. Um, but they've got a great, great driver lineup, I would suggest. Leclerc is is outright a more is a faster driver, but Sainz is clever. And, and that goes to show because he's the only one out of the two that won a race this year when the opportunity presented itself. Yeah, and... <sighs> Ferrari is always, we always joke, right? It's the hope that kills you because everyone sees Ferrari. Everyone wants Ferrari. Everyone expects Ferrari because they're Ferrari. We expect them to be at the front. But unfortunately, you know, Formula One changes from what we're used to. And you have two teams in the last era, current era of Formula One that have dominated. Ferrari are not the dominant force anymore that they used to be that we expected to see. So when you reset your expectation of of what we should see from Ferrari... They didn't do a bad job this year. They didn't do a bad job. As you said, they won a race. They were on pole position in, in Monza, which is a hugely important race for them. And they did oh, Monza, they, that they was a good race. Oh. They took the fight to the Red Bulls. And, and you know, we see, well, they took the fight to Verstappen. It's not really Red Bull. It's Max Verstappen is the driver's and constructor's championship this year. Um, but to take the fight to Verstappen, I think this year was was mighty because of how far away they were. And, I always get the sense with Ferrari, they're not looking for consistent podiums. They're looking for wins. That's just in the DNA of what they do. If they were more conservative, they'd probably make fewer mistakes and they probably would finish on the podium more times, but they're, they're Ferrari. The DNA is, is winning and being at the front. And, and, you know, that's just the way that the companies run from the top down. And if they are going to get back to it, it's important to hold on to that. But is there also an element where you, you maybe need to be a bit more calculated, focusing on developing points, focusing on developing momentum rather than just outright wins. I don't know. I'm not running a Formula One team. But at the end of the day, the one thing that I have seen from Ferrari is I I, I think they did a decent job this year to, to take the fight to Verstappen at certain points. Still some mistakes, but I think they can be happy with where they finished. I also think reliability is still an issue for them at times because, I mean, look at... Um, Signs didn't even start the race in Qatar. Um, Leclerc didn't even start the race in Sao Paulo when he when he had a hydraulic problem and had to pull off on the yeah. on the reconnaissance lap. So, and right at the start of the year when his engine went kaput. So I st- still think reliability is a thing that they need to get on top of as well because in a, in a season where arguably reliability was the least of a factor affecting competitive order, they suffered from it 
more times than most, I, I, I would say, in terms of it actually affecting them in in a race and and without you know being unable to score points. So I think that's another thing they need to get on top of as well. But rumors at the moment, Leclerc's signing a, a long term deal with options um, to stay with Ferrari. We don't know what the deal will be with Signs. They their deals both come to an end at the end of twenty twenty four. So uh, there could be some some uh, either long term nothingness at Ferrari or there could be a bit of movability in the next couple of years depending on what happens there's still rumors around signs and Audi in the next couple of years so we shall see um but overall from Ferrari I must do better now. <laughs> <laughs> you're, doing, you're doing great honey keep going <laughs> uh Ferrari uh let's let's see what you got next year uh yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you know, moving, uh, the right, think, moving in the I, right I, direction. I think, I think even a, a nice, nice place. Well, a nice, a nice way of saying it would be um, satisfied but not happy. Yeah. Okay. Satisfied but not happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mercedes satisfied but not happy. Honestly, the way Mercedes and some of the rhetoric coming out from that team finishing second it's like they came last honestly <laughs> like yeah, worst how, year ever how this far away did they finish from red bull that's the point yeah yeah i know and when you I become know. used to dominance and used to this this but let's was have a bit of context come on like everyone was far off yeah so... but this is the first time since 2014 realistically yeah well it's, it's the first time since 20 it's the first time in lewis hamilton's career he's not won a race in a season in Formula One, is, is that am I wrong no, in saying that? I, I don't think he won one last year either. I think it's two years he, on the two trial. Two years on the trial, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. there you go. That kind of shows where you're at. And I mean, they had more flashes last year than they did this year in terms of pace and challenging. And it's really been since, well, so yeah, since last year, really that they've just not been there. And it's like you say, it's it's like their last. But I think it comes from the fact that the expectation over the last seven, eight years has been we are Mercedes, we always fight for championships. To then finish with, you know, kind of half the points of the, the constructor that won it, <laughs> it's it's a huge step backwards. It really is, especially when they had the advantage they had. His last race win was Saudi Arabia 2021. Oh. But, I mean, they, they, they really pushed for the zero side pod concept. They finally realized that that wasn't the way to go. And there has been some changing up of the technical department with, with um, James Allison and, and Mike Elliott kind of swapping roles. James Allison yeah. was, well, both were a big part of, of the success of Mercedes and James Allison kind of took a bit of a step back and then he went to head up things based in a factory, looking at long-term projects and Mike Elliott was more on the ground with things. Then they swapped roles. Then Mike Elliott departed the team, which very much kind of goes well somebody has to go for this and you're the man mike elliott i'm sorry despite all the success you've achieved so there's a change up there and i also wonder what's going on with toto wolf because he's been at a few less races this year i know he had a knee operation didn't he but they're lining up well it seems like they're lining up jerome d'ambrosio to be a little bit of a a kind of replacement He, he seems like second in command at the moment but it seems that Things are a bit unsteady in in the back room for Mercedes right now. Yeah, and and like I said to you, I think when you you get that taste of winning and winning and winning and winning and winning, and then it gets taken away from. And, mm. and they last year was really the year to kind of bounce back, wasn't it? That was all the tell was going to be. We're going to bounce back. We're going to take back what's ours. Blah blah blah, all that stuff. And then it didn't materialize. 
And then it's like, okay, well, that didn't work this last year. So this year is going to be the year and that doesn't work again. And then you get to a point where you're sat at the end of that two year period, you're going, maybe we're not going to get it back, you know, and you can't question the lineup. You know, you can't, you, you, at some point you have to look at if it's not working, how do you change it? And we see this up and down the formula one grid formula one, they have knee jerk because of the amount of money that's being invested and because of the small margins, there's always when you're not winning or it's not going the way that you expect it to, there's knee jerk reactions. There's huge changes to management. There's drivers being sacked. There's technical members being changed departments. It's you're always looking for the magic answer that finds you the last two or three tenths of a second. You need to be competitive. And I think that's probably part of the question they're now asking themselves. They have that, they have that pedigree. They have that success. They have that expectation to win, but it's, it's not going forward. It's going backwards. So how do you change that around so that you get your momentum back and end up taking the fight to the team that's at the front? So yeah, again, it's, it's one of those ones where I'm not really a hundred percent sure where it goes because we haven't seen anything that's given them the big jump to, to put them back on the right foot. Mm. You, you say you can't fault the lineup and I, I'm with you, but Russell didn't have a great year in the grand scheme of things. Teammate finishing third in the championship. Russell finished eighth. A couple of podiums that that went awry for for Russell that should true, have been podiums. Uh, unforced errors, I think, of Singapore. Final lap in the wall. He did find a gap, though. He Over found a gap. Of the year. <laughs> Just a hard hit at the end of it. So I, I wonder if, if you know, what, what do you think went wrong for Russell this year? This, this is where I, probably because of my own bias as a driver, I view the other side of things. Like you had George coming into the team. Hmm. Obviously, he had the debut um, in Bahrain with 20, a team. Yeah. 21, 20? was it? 2020. Long time ago, George. Yeah. But that was like, a, this is my taste of being able to win a Grand Prix. But it's fine because I'm going to go to Mercedes and I'm going to be at the front because that's what Mercedes are. Mercedes are at the front of Formula One. George comes to Mercedes and they're, they're not at the front not consistently anyway. And I, I think it's probably that level of frustration. You know, you, you've got to remember all of these these young drivers that are racing, well, they're not young anymore, but all of these drivers that are racing against each other. There's always an underlying tone of like, well, I raced against you in karting or F3 or F2 and I beat you. Why am I not, why are you, you know, why are you on your 19th win this season and I'm on, you know, struggling to fight inside the top 10? And yeah. I think it's very easy to miss the human side of things where drivers can get a bit lost in that. And I think that's probably maybe something that's cost George a lot this year was that frustration of, we all said it, well, when he goes to Mercedes, he's going to win lots of races. He's proven himself at Williams, he's going to go there. And it never really materialized. And I think he had quite a strong season last year, kind of expected more this season. And you just watch the frustrations creeping in. You know, the, the Singapore mistake was pure frustration. It was sitting there looking at the win, literally ahead of you, probably your one chance this year to make it happen, mistake. And I just, yeah, I just, I just wonder if that's, yeah, when I say you can't fault the lineup, but it doesn't mean that they haven't made mistakes this year. It means in terms of on paper, they should be a strong lineup. Mm -hmm. Lewis Hamilton and George Russell should be a very, very strong lineup and they should be delivering better results for a multitude of reasons. Yeah, fair. I think you summed it up well. Um, End of term report. Reset your expectations. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. It's true though. Ex- expectations yeah. are the, are, if, if you go, okay, well, we're going to go into next year and we're just going to focus on rebuilding, mm. building, 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 you know, you, you're not far away in Formula One, although you look really far away now, as you say, a few better results, a bit more momentum, 
you know, the, the, it's 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 details. It's it's tenths of a second. So I, I, yeah, I know, I know. You know, they want to win, and you know, if you're not winning, then what's the point? I yeah, get I that, but I do think they have to contextualize this year a bit and go. Well, Red Bull were just in the class of their own. We still finished second. It's not half bad. And I have a little, a little insider scoop. One of my school friends. Ooh. is now going out with one of uh, with an engineer at Mercedes. I won't Ooh. name names. Uh, and they were telling me that um, Mercedes didn't do a Christmas party because it wasn't a good enough year. That's what I mean. Like that's yeah. that's the reset you're expected. Like you still have to, and this is where I think James Valls is such a good, you have to understand the human aspect of what yeah. you did because the things that make, to make anything successful, especially a Formula One team, is good process and good people. If you have good process and good people, then it's about understanding the culture and building something amazing. And that's exactly what we see at Red Bull. Speak of Red Bull. Faultless, sublime, from one side of the garage at least. Max Verstappen, a three-time world champion. Red Bull once again uh, took the constructors. Sergio Perez was, was in it up until Monaco. And then it all unraveled. But how do you improve on greatness? I honestly don't know if I, if I was Max, I would have hung up my helmet after this year and just left. I would have done Nico Rosberg and just uh, would you? Would you have actually? Would I, you have actually gone? Nah, there's. I've literally. I no. I don't think he would have done because he didn't win Singapore until he wins every single race of the year. If you won every single race of the year, then I think maybe you'd be like, nah, I'm good. I've proven my worth. It's just. I don't know. I, unless he's got the the idea in his head that he's going to come back and and take the all time world championship record. I just don't see how he can get any better than what he did this year. It was just, even when he looked under threat, he didn't look under threat. Mm. You know, he he was just exceptional this year. And he was, this season should go down as one of the best seasons in sporting history, not just Formula One. Wow. It was it was just ridiculously impressive. As I said to you in the last podcast, I sat watching him trackside at Abu Dhabi. The, the control, the precision, the confidence, the way he was driving the car. A joy to watch. Absolute joy to watch. The thing that stands out for me is that Monaco qualifying where oh, it looked sector. like it was going Alonso's way. And then somehow Max Verstappen managed to literally bend the walls with his mind without causing any damage to the car. And that final sector, I mean, coming through the swimming pool chicane, uh, just flawless. And even when, this is the thing, right? Even though, yeah, the car is clearly on another level. But even when, on the odd occasion where the the factors and the elements weren't going Max Verstappen's way, like Monaco, like Zandvoort, where the weather was was proving so difficult, so easily Verstappen could have just slid off into the wall, or or even um, Vegas, where there were a couple of cars in the fight, his driver talent. I believe always then came to the fore and he gave that gave him that edge over the others. And that's in those particular races, that's when you could really see the Max Verstappen talents that went over and above the car. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, you, you only really have to focus on how, how it all came together for them. Right. You look at it and you go exactly that when, when he was under threat, he still found that last little bit extra to pull away from everyone else. When, you know, when it wasn't going his way in Singapore, he still kind of maximized the race as well. You know, I, I can't think back to a, a huge error that he made. We've, we've gone up and down the grid and we've mentioned every driver 
cut out this mistake, this mistake here. Where was Verstappen's mistake? I can't seem to think of one. And well, maybe. Yeah. Have you got one? Have you? Have no, you got one? I mean, uh, no, I, I don't. He only one. makes a mistake oh, leaving the mid lane. Yeah, he only the, makes mistakes leaving the mid lane, but that doesn't count. You know, it didn't cost that? him anything. Silverstone, was, wasn't it? Silverstone, yeah. Silverstone, nits, yeah. Nits the pit wall. That's yeah. one. With, and you know, that's just all he's doing is he's just trying to make himself a meme or something. Probably, you know, like just showing everyone he's not actually a robot. But that's exactly mm. what a robot would do: try to convince people that he's actually yeah. human. <laughs> This no, is a whole was, other conspiracy theory. It was, it was a, a fantastic year and, you know, he was just so far. You only have to look like Barcelona, for example, when he was miles out in front going for fastest lap. And he doesn't need to do it, but he's still no. doing it because he's that far ahead. Um, how, you, how you better that? I think the only hope for Formula One is that Max has a really good winter where he doesn't train, he doesn't go on the sim, maybe takes up like snowmobiling or something, you know, maybe falls off. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how we're going to stop the Max Verstappen. We do not, we do not wish any ill, Ill we do injury not wish on any... Max Verstappen. Uh, but if, I don't he, know. If, if he were, you know, to, to just, you know, hurt a finger, then that might prevent him from preseason testing. Or even maybe, that. Yeah. You know what? Even that. I reckon Max Verstappen could still win a race with a broken arm. I reckon he still could. I, ma- I maintain that he should start outside the circuit. <laughs> I maintain that he should be in an F2 car <laughs> and he'd still win. How about this? So here's, here's my last crazy idea of the Formula One season. Okay. Max has to do one race in every car in the grid because he's, he's won the constructors yeah. and he's won the driver's championship by himself with the amount of points that he has. So he could be his own constructor. He's Max Verstappen racing yeah. Yeah. and he does one. They have a, every team has a third car for one race of the year. They can count their points that Max gets them. Mm-hmm. And then you know, for the rest of the year, he can race with Red Bull and win whatever it'll be. 10. Stick him, stick him in an Alpha Tauri for a bit. See how just he for does. A bit. Just for a little just, bit. Just, just, bit. Just, just do something. Well, I mean, we we can talk Verstappen. We do have to look at Perez as well. And what a good start to the year. He was doing exactly what he needed to do: winning the occasional race, finishing second, getting pole positions, and then I think his mind went after Miami where he should have won that race but Verstappen came from ninth and easily won the race and passed him then Monaco poor the crash in qualifying was the beginning of the end and from that moment onwards I feel like we had a different Sergio Perez I think we we started to get him back in the last couple of rounds but even then it still wasn't you know who loses a podium spot on the last lap and two races on the trot like come on yeah, I'd. Can we say, you know, good effort, but try, <laughs> must improve. <laughs> must improve. Uh, again, I, I think you know, like it's kind of telling, though, isn't it? When you got like Dr. Marco coming out and saying, you know, once he's got this silly idea of him being a world champion out of his head. <sighs> yeah, it's and actually in the the Auburn podcast, he talks about how it operates there. It's very. It's very hard to be Verstappen's teammate. It's mm. so difficult. And that's where, I'll, you know, from a, a punditry point of view, I'll cut Sergio a little bit of slack. That is the least desired seat in Formula One, not only because of the external pressure, but because of the person you're being measured against. Is that mm. such a high level now? And he's arguably faced like boss mode Verstappen. This is the end of the video game. Yeah. The hardest one to beat, you know? The boss. The boss yeah. man Verstappen. So I think, you know, should do better, yes, cut out the mistakes. But at the end of the day, part of being, and we've said it with all the teams, they're only there to win. They're only there to prove themselves. They're only there to do the maximum, which is 
maximum points, pole positions, fastest laps, led every race, led every lap of the race. So you can't get rid of that DNA because that DNA is what gets them to Formula One in the first place. But at the same time, hopefully next year he's just a bit more consistent. And I think that consistency will breed to a longer term future, which if Verstappen's form does drop, a new, you know, development car cycle suits him a little bit more so he can get a bit closer. It's about waiting until the opportunity, which may never come, but he's just got to bide his time and wait for that opportunity to see if Verstappen does decrease in performance. Report card, superb season. Give somebody else a chance. Yeah. Miss the first five races, please. (laughs) Yeah. Well done. Well, that's our little run through uh, the 10 teams. Um, And we thought we would end our 2023 season review with the WTF1 awards. So first up, Best performer of the season. Who, Callan, do you think? It's got to be Max Verstappen, surely. Mm. I mean, honorable, some honorable mentions. Yes. I like Oscar Piastri to get a mention there because I think he did a great job. I think Absolutely. Liam Lawson did a great job as well. I think Albon did a good job. I think Albon did a great job as well. So there's our, uh, yeah. I'll, honorable I'll, mentions, but best performer, I think collectively we agree, Max Verstappen. It can't get to anybody else. Now, worst performer... Now, I think this isn't as easy as some may make it out to be. Nick DeFries. <laughs> <laughs> One more chance. One more chance. You actually going with Nick DeFries? No, no, no. It's, no. Just, it's just, it's a callback, isn't it? One it's last time of this year. Banter. It's, it's just, just banter. banter. Sorry, Nick. I don't know. I, I mean, it's easy to say Sergeant, but I, I, I feel like... You know, you, there's an argument for Perez with the, with the machinery that he had. Stroll, Stroll, yeah. Oh, this is hard. It is. Uh, this is. This is why you know. This is you why go, we're who in are you the going team. For? Who are you going for? Um. Oh, this is tough, isn't it? I, I'm gonna go for. What do you want to go first for this one? I went first. I'm gonna go for Stroll. I'm gonna go for Stroll. Okay, you go for Stroll. I'm gonna go for. I'm going to go for Paris. How to do it. Okay. I'm going to go for Paris. He was too yeah. far away from his teammate. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a fair a Goes fair against assumption. everything I just said, literally to like round out the Red Bull summary where I said, you know, he's up against boss for staff. But still, come on, let's let's give you a little push, Sergio. Let's see you back at your it full potential. It wouldn't be a podcast in motorsport with a pundit uh, that w- without it being hypocritical. So exactly. uh, that's how these things work. Surprise of the season. Either for me, I'd say I think we're probably going to have the opposite answer to the other one gives. There's two big surprises that stand out for me. Number one is McLaren. Yeah. The other one was Williams. Well, it's Alban mainly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would also say, you know, Aston Martin, the jump they made. True, true, true. You know, true. Can't, we can't underline that. You know, Alonso getting, po- uh, five, what was it, five podiums in the first five races? Yeah. Yeah. He was incredible. He was on it. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. Agree with so, that. So, uh, uh, I'm going to go for, yeah, Aston Martin on that one. Um, was so it, wait, so who's your one? McLaren or Williams? I'm going to say McLaren. Okay. McLaren. Um, disappointment of the season. That sounds harsh. That doesn't sound like they should you be know a what? category. I am going to, it is, but, uh, you, it, it, you suggested <laughs> it. I'm going for big Nicky D. I'm no, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Actually, I've got. It was a disappointing season. I just thought he was going to be so much better than he was. Yeah. I really did. Yeah, I know. That's sorry, a shame. Nick. So are we are we unified on that? For, we for unified Nick on Reeves? that. Well, he's got some some plus drives for 2024, so he'll be he all right. Does. He does. Um, he's be okay. 
the best memeable moment of the year. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go first because I'm sorry, it has to be the Las Vegas announcer uh, with oh, uh, no. what's his name, uh, Michael Buffer. Uh, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, with Sergio Perez, uh, and he's like, "Please welcome Sergio Checo Perez." Oh, and then Perez is just standing there, there oh. waiting for him to do like an interview, which never happens. And then he's just like, "It's like a proper NPC moment where he's just sort of stood <laughs> there, like, uh, uh, what do I do now?'" It's the funniest thing of the year. That's my best memeable moment. It was good. My Mine is probably a little bit more selfish because of how I use it. You know when Piastri was sat in the garage and they zoomed in on his face and he did the grimace? Yeah. I've yeah. used that still so much. It's, it's got me out of so many situations that it just, it has to be my moment of the year. It's, every time somebody texts me something, I just, I just fire it in so many group chats. God knows. It's, it's a good, it's a good one. It's, um, it's one. Okay. Nice, nice choices. I think, uh, favorite overtake of the year. Oh, this one, this, this was a category that got me excited. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Uh, I can do. Um, I mean, I'm going to go for Alonso in Bahrain. Uh, is that what you're going to go for? Down no, the inside. I, I down the inside. Is it turn 10 or turn yes. 9? Double left-hander down the yeah. yeah. Uh, and was it, it was on Hamilton, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Such a good move. First race of the year, Alonso, Aston Martin on fire. Great move. I think my move of the season was the clerk. Where? At Las Vegas. Last lap dive oh, on, oh, on Perez. Sergio Perez. Because, again slippery surface a track they don't really know so it's not it's not like we've seen the move done by loads of junior categories or whatever last lap of the race and it was executed to perfection mm. I, I like it two good choices there strong best haircut <sighs> bottas fair the i'm gonna go i'm gonna go for um i was a fan i'm a fan of albon when he went blonde i, I quite like that really? I, like a blonde, I like a blonde album yeah I, I well it, it did make him you know, significantly faster as well. Exactly. Are, we talk, are we talking about best haircut in terms of like looks or in terms of performance? Because obviously the two correlate together, don't they? Well, obviously that is true. Well, I think both speak for themselves on that on that front. Yeah, uh, well, actually, does, did Bottas's speak for performance? I'm not sure. I think he got cooler. So it spoke for cool points. He performed. He got. I think Bottas, Bottas seems to have gotten cooler and not as fast as he was. <laughs> so... <laughs> Bit harsh, I know. He is an Alfa Romeo. Big caveat. Yes. And he did out, he did it outpace his teammate. Um, but oh, yeah. Have you got his calendar for, for I the year? I have not yet, but did you no. hear about how much money it raised? Was it 150,000? 150K, that's mega. That is I, mega. Well done. Have you seen the um, the outtakes of them shooting for I've it? not, no. It's fantastic. He's like slipping off of rocks by waterfalls. and it's, naked. It's, Jesus yes, it's, Christ. It's a fantastic... Um, I've got to be careful. That could be a bit painful. You hit a, ro- you hit a rock at the wrong angle. Jesus Christ. What, what I really wanted to highlight by saying that is the dedication Valtteri Bottas went to making that happen. So thank and you, Valtteri, for raising money for a good cause. Absolutely. And to the photographer. And to the photographer, <laughs> who has since wiped all of the SD cards, yeah. but can't wipe his memory. Absolutely. Let's end, shall we? Uh, this uh, extra long edition of the WTF1 podcast uh, that we we do at least um, <laughs> with a prediction for 2024. What do you predict? Could be outlandish, could be boring. What do you want? Um, I predict, I'm, I'm going to go for a three-part prediction. My okay. first prediction is going to be Max Verstappen burying the rest of the grid coming back to next year including his teammate Sergio Perez. I think Perez is going to be switched out halfway through the year. 
That's my second prediction. Oh, no. And my third prediction, I think, is going to be Alex Alban taking the next jump with Williams, and they're going to cement themselves as a more of like a, a a top five running team. Yeah, I like. I, okay, I like that prediction. I'll be sad if Perez gets switched out because you know he's 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 that of an age now where he could just retire gracefully. So I hope that's not the case. I do think um, Verstappen and Red Bull are going to dominate next year. Let's do all right. You did three predictions. I'll do three. Verstappen and Pe- uh, Red Bull are going to dominate next year. I think Lando Norris is finally going to win a Grand Prix. Never. I think the, I think there'll be one outlier like a Singapore this year, and, and Lando Norris's time is going to come. Norris will finish second, and Piastri will win it. <laughs> <laughs> be typical, would it? And I think, I think, oh, Haas are going to recapture. No, no, screw that. I'm yeah, like, you, I you're think, like this has to be. It has to be outlandish, but slightly be, right. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think Sauber will be pretty competitive that's where i'm gonna go for i think sauber back as sauber i think they're gonna be competitive and that's where i'm gonna leave it i i'm looking forward to this i can't wait can't come soon enough well that brings us to an end for the wtf1 f1 season review thank you very much for your company throughout the season um and it's actually Callan and i's last show so we will not be here in 2024 but thank you for the ride uh thank you to uh, the bosses for having us it's been a pleasure any parting words mr o'keefe just thank you to everyone who listened to us waffle for the last year it's been an absolute pleasure and yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I hope that, you know, we uh, we all collaborate as a nice left one community moving forward next year. Yeah, absolutely. Don't ever contact me again, Callum. Um, we'll see you next time. Have a lovely winter and festive cheer, whatever you celebrate and whatever you get up to. And here's hoping for an absolute cracker of a 2024 F1 season. See you later.